The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And we are... For Colored Nerds. The conversations that black people have. When white people are not in the room. But we record them. And we put them on the internet, but not for that much longer. <laughs> <laughs> Limited time only. Limited time only. Uh, how's it going? Pretty good. Honestly, you know what it is? The sun has been shining. Yeah. And as I was discussing with you the other day, as a person of African descent. Um, <laughs> I remember this. Yes, exactly. Okay. As a person of African descent, when the weather is warm, I feel warm. I feel good. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, on that note, mm-hmm. how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, I feel good. Actually, I feel good. Um, if you have Spotify, you should check out the <gasps> series I've been working on. Oh my god, Mogul, so good. Yes, Life and Death so of good. Chris Lighty. Yes. I'm really proud of it. It's been doing. It's been doing really well. Uh, and now I'm, you know, just working on that thing we got going. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the nod. We're, we'll have more, more on that. More, more on that soon. Soon. But I'm excited for today. I'm, you know, I'm just chilling. Like you said, it's good weather, and you know, there might be good people. We are thrilled today to introduce you to a writer who, in a relatively short amount of time, has been featured in publications like Rolling Stone, L.A. Times, The Toast. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. The Butter. Even more rest in peace. Also rest in peace. <laughs> New York Magazine and BuzzFeed. Um, you've heard her a few times on the podcast, Another Round, and she is the first Tennessean, actually, other than Eric, that we've had on this show. Shout so out. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. To the Thunderdome, Miss Nicole <laughs> Perkins. <laughs> Woo. Hi. <laughs> you know, you actually are, um, you're our very last guest on the show. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we're going out with the bang. Oh, my God. That's a lot of pressure. No. Okay. It's not. No, it's not. No. We would have it. No other way. No other way. And also, we invited you here because you're popping. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Very fire. Makes me happy. Words arranged in sentences. That's how. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. I had to figure out what you were saying right there, but I got you. (laughs) We got there. We got there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'll take it. Good writer is the is the point. (laughs) Thank you. Very good writer. Uh, Well, I mean, to jump into it, like, Uh I mean, you haven't you haven't always been like writing on the web. No, not at all. I, I've i always known I wanted to be a writer since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I read, I started reading really early, and I would, you know, change the stories around and stuff like that. And then in the second grade, my teacher, Mrs. Starks, 
I don't know if she's still around, but if she is, hey, Mrs. Stark. Shout out. Mm -hmm. uh, she would have us take our spelling words and put them in a story so that we could learn how, you know, to use them properly yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so we'd write the story and whoever had the best story would read it in front of the class. And so I kept coming up to read my story like week after week. And it was starting to make the other kids jealous. And so one day she pulled me to the side and she was like, I really think you're a good writer, but I have to give the others students a chance to you know read their stuff so they don't get upset but one day i'm gonna see your books in the bookstore wow. and this little voice went off in my head i was seven years old and this voice went off in my head it said she's right you're a writer and that's all from then on whenever you know what do you want to be little girl yeah. i'm a writer you know so mm -hmm. i would just be like that um but so that was in my mind i was writing little stories i was writing mysteries i really like mysteries because i was watching you know, because I'm old, okay? So I was, <laughs> and <laughs> I grew up in the South. I'm from Nashville. And so when I would be with my great-grandmother or whomever, I'd be watching, um, like, Gunsmoke mm -hmm. and um, Murder, She Wrote yeah, and Columbo, yeah, Columbo yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. I was really into murder mysteries. So I would write murder mysteries, and then I started uh, getting into romance novels. And I would try to, like, write a romance novel and all this kind of stuff. I even got into trouble once in third grade because this girl, I remember, Johnetta, <laughs> <laughs> she wanted me to write a love note to this guy she had a crush on. And I did, but it was a very mature love note <laughs> for a third grader. I mean, it wasn't like nasty, but it was yeah. just like, I want to have 16 of your kids. And obviously to have 16 kids, you got to do some things yeah. at least 16 times. At least. And the teacher found it, Mrs. Boyd, and she talked to me, whatever. Anyway, so. <laughs> so it's just always been there. When I went to college, I majored in English. Um, and I went to Dillard University in New Orleans, which mm. is an HBCU. Hey, Shout out. Hey, hey. Um, and I graduated with a degree in English, minor creative writing. And but then it's just like everybody was like, so what are you going to do next? Are you going to go to grad school and become a teacher? Because becoming a writer was not going to pay the bills. Right. Mm. Working class background, single mother raised me, my brother, my sister is very much. How are you going to survive? Because you can't survive as a poet, which is what I eventually gotten into. I become more of a poet as opposed to like a short story writer. Mm -hmm. So I went into education. Uh, I went to grad school. It did not work out. I was not happy there. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to start teaching or doing something in education. It wasn't, I did. I wasn't happy. But everything that I did, I would always come back to writing, talking about writing, teaching the students about creative writing, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So writing was always like simmering in whatever I was doing, but it wasn't what I was doing. It wasn't like flat out what I was doing. So... Moving along, social media came around and I started getting on message boards and mm -hmm. I would always be writing stuff and talking about pop culture because I love watching TV, I love watching mm. movies, that kind of stuff. And I'm always like paying attention to what's happening to the black woman in what I'm looking at, if there are any black women. Mm -hmm. And so I would be talking about that and that kind of stuff. Then Twitter happened. And I would be on my little Twitter rants talking about the TV show and stuff. And one day, Shawnee Hilton at BuzzFeed said I was talking about Scandal and um, Sleepy Hollow. Mm. It was the first season of both, yeah. I think. That, I mean, that first season of Sleepy Hollow, too. 
Yeah, it, it was, was like really good. Yeah, actually. it was really good. They didn't it. try to make it good, but it no, ended up real yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't try. That's true. So I was talking about those shows, and Shawnee DM'd me, and she was like, "Do you want to write about this for Buzzfeed?" I was like, "Yes, please." <laughs> so that was actually my first paid gig online wow. writing stuff, and from it's just been snowballing from there. That was a really long answer. For... No, that was honestly. I mean. <laughs> I think, I mean, it brings up, like, a lot of things. Like, we can, like, sympathize, obviously, with the experience of, like, working in a job that, like, feels, it feels like you, like, maybe that's what you're supposed to be doing, but it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily what... Not the best fit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, like, you know, that, the anxiety that comes from that, or, like, you know, just the general, like... Feeling trapped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it's real. And, you know, it's, like, it's also nice to hear that, like, it it seems like at many points, like, people were reaching out and, like, Mm -hmm. hey, no, you actually, you got a thing here. Yeah. And, like, do that thing. Yeah. So I've been... People talk about Twitter and how, you know, it's terrible or whatever. And there are definitely moments where you're just like, okay, I need a break. But it has been so good to me, the connections I've made, like you guys, other people who have just been like, hey, I really like what you're saying. Here's this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Do you want to, you know, take it and go forward and stuff like that? So it's been really great. Social media has been great for me. And also it's helpful for me as someone who is a bit introverted. Um at first like you know it takes me a while to warm up to people so Mm -hmm. being able to kind of like have my voice out there let people kind of see and then you know hear what i'm talking about is easier than in person because i can't small talk is just yeah it's pain (laughs) you know and (laughs) it's really easier for me to just be behind my computer a little bit and you know send some stuff out and Mm -hmm. then i can be like oh yeah i know you you're great you know that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Well, you described yourself as old. We do not consider yes. you old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You are a young spry 40. Yeah. And <laughs> literally glowing right yeah, now. Yeah, literally oh, glowing right now. And also, like, I ne- until you told me, I was I hadn't crossed my mind. I just figured, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You're this, the, the black woman adult age looking like somewhere between 26 and 32. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um but yeah, so you, you just turned 40. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when we asked you for topics, like as we do, and any guest that comes in the show, we asked him, like, what do you want to talk about that you don't really get to talk about? And you said that um, you'd like to talk about pursuing dreams later in life or at least later than we are expected to. Right. And so you just turned 40, which, again, for the record, we on this show do not consider to be old. We think it is very young. Yeah. <laughs> um, and your writing career um, kind of only began within the past few years. Mm-hmm. Tell us what your later start or what you might characterize as a later start. Tell us what that taught you. Well, it taught me that there are some things that are just not going to go away, no matter how practical you try to be. No, You know, I don't want to say always pursue your passion, always pursue your dreams, because sometimes you do need youth mm. to do that. But other times you really don't. You need experience. And sometimes experience doesn't happen until you are a little bit older. We have this thing where we have to have everything figured out by 25 so that we're married by 28 and finished with kids by 30, 32. I mean, that's still it's changing, but that's still very much a part of our culture. Um, And so I've been it's just really been helpful seeing people like Ava DuVernay, mm-hmm. Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are people in Hollywood, but they're still just kind of like it trickles down that these are older women who are achieving certain success that happens after they've reached, you know, they're not 
spring chickens. Yeah. And, you know, part of that is kind of systematic biases as well. But it's still just like they didn't stop pursuing their dreams. They yeah. had goals and they kept going. And that helped me to realize, you know what, I can do this. And also just seeing how accessible the Internet has made things mm. for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the Internet did not exist. I don't know that I would have been able to pursue my dream of mm. being a writer. I don't know that I want to be a cultural critic for the rest of my life. My goal is to be more of a novelist and uh, screenwriter and stuff like that. And still, poetry is still very important to me. But I do recognize that I have a talent for talking about pop culture and and, mm. and uh, being a cultural critic. You mentioned, like, you don't know that, like, without the internet, like, you know, that you would have been able to make this transition. Right. The thing I've noticed is that is good about the internet in, in in transitioning is like it creates a positive like a more frequent positive feedback loop mm-hmm, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like or just a feedback loop in in general like you know you can do something like when we first made honestly when we first started doing for color nerds like we recorded like five episodes that we were just listening to three roughly or like three episodes yeah. that we were just listening to for the most part and then we sent that to like our family and friends and mm-hmm. we were like do y'all like this? Like what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Before we show our asses to the world, what do y'all think? Mm-hmm. And and it was good. Like yeah. the first feedback was really good, and that made us be like, okay, maybe we can put this out there. And then once we started putting it out there, like the feedback became so much more frequent. And honestly, I would say like getting that as early as we did, you know, like is what really pushed us to be like, okay, maybe we should take this. At least somewhat serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I just think I see that as like also one of those core benefits of like maybe making like a big transition like that and understanding like when you're actually like maybe ready to. Right. And I, you know, there, there are a lot of headlines. Millennials aren't doing this. Millennials were, you know, baby boomers. And I guess I'm Generation X. I don't mm-hmm. even, I don't know. But whatever. People, you know, dogging um, young folks and it's just like I've been able to learn so much from them and learn how to navigate these cultural spaces that mm-hmm. I'm just like you should be able to be open and learn from these people and I also try to give that back to the younger folks that follow me online or whatever or that I come across like to back up a little bit so I would do stuff like I would get a job as an admin assistant right administrative assistant mm-hmm. or something like that because I was like okay that doesn't need that much brain power, right? Because that's what we've kind of been told about admin assistants mm-hmm. and, you know, executive assistants and stuff like that. Oh, you're just there to answer phone and do calendar work and whatever, whatever, so that you can have this job and then you can work on your passion when you leave. But it's not, that's not the case because mm-hmm. you end up doing all this, you end up running the office, but still being treated like a scrub <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, you don't get the pay for it and you get home and you're exhausted. You're mentally drained because you're dealing with, Whatever the drama is at work that may or may not include microaggressions, you know, just other kind of stuff. And you don't feel like writing. You don't feel like singing. You don't feel like dancing or whatever, you know, knitting, whatever your passion may be. And so that was part of what took me so long and took me, um, you know, I had to get the courage up. And I, by being online so much, I would see other people freelancing. And most of these people were women who were in relationships so they had a partner that could kind of carry the financial burden Mm -hmm. or whatever and at that time by the time I finally took the leap to freelance full-time I was back home in Nashville I was living with my sister so I didn't have rent rent I had other things that I was taking care of to pay my way and Mm -hmm. you know contribute to the household but I didn't have that major 
those kinds of major bills. So I was like, maybe I can do this. But again, that was because I was sitting there observing, observing and looking and learning from the people younger than me who were doing this and like going out there and taking the chance. And I was like, I can do this too. And I don't have any kids. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of move around more freely than maybe other people who are married with children or people who are with children or whatever. So I was like, I don't want to waste my life anymore on these dead end jobs that don't appreciate me, that want me to do all this work and then don't want to pay me for it. Mm -hmm. Let me just go ahead. If I'm not going to get paid well, I wanted to not get paid well for something (laughs) that I love to do. That's the damn truth. (laughs) So I took the leap and last year, 2016 was the first year I freelanced full time. Mm. It was interesting. (laughs) interesting. (laughs) I mean, you have to be constantly pitching. Mm, you have yeah. to be constantly in touch with, well, for me, pop culture. So you have to be online all the time now. Um, you have to just be just emailing people or reaching, you know, trying to figure out what you can talk about. Yeah. And um, then you have to constantly be, hey, my money is late. Mm. Where are you? <laughs> and, con- you know, and then you, but then you have to balance that. Like, do I you know get on them because it's already a week late but if i if i ask for my money are they going to think i'm being greedy and then not want to work with me anymore because you know whatever so there's all this kind of stuff you have to worry about and so i had to figure out the balance for that like you know for me i was living in nashville i'm still in nashville so i wasn't i didn't have access to like film premieres and stuff Mm -hmm. like that because people weren't they don't come to nashville for film Mm -hmm. premieres very often so for me TV was the most accessible thing, TV and literature. So that's what I started doing, watching TV shows. Oh, I noticed this pattern. Let me write about it. I'm going to send this pitch to whomever. Hopefully they'll take it. Then whatever. Um, Oh, this book is coming out. Let me see if I can find the contact information for the, you know, publicist. Get an advanced reading copy. Mm -hmm. Read that book. Do a review of it. Send that out. So I was able to do that. um, And I really like... The final products of what I've done, what I've done, mm-hmm. it's just you know getting there is the hair pulling part, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just um, trying to stay on top of top of all of that, and then also being disciplined in scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have three alarms set, like an alarm to wake myself up and start sending out emails because a lot of people that I was in contact with were on the East Coast. I'm Nashville is central time zone. So that's an hour behind. So I have to make sure that I'm kind of like... On that time. Yeah, Yeah. on the East Coast time. um, That's one thing. And then I had to make sure that I had a deadline alarm. So like send that pitch at this time, whatever. Take a break. Go walk around. Do whatever. And then there was another alarm that was like, okay, work on your own personal stuff that you want to get out there. Your own book or whatever. Um, So those are things that I had to keep. Because I can just be like oh, let me just binge this show that I've already seen five times, you know, to kind of Mm -hmm. whatever in the name of quote unquote self-care, but it's really procrastinating or just trying to avoid doing some work. So that's another thing, making sure that the self-care that I was doing was real self-care and not avoidance. Mm. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Yeah. I mean, you got to really turn it into like a bit of a, a career in terms of a daily routine. Mm-hmm. even like, yeah, yeah. That's hard. I'm, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, I end up in a, like a rabbit hole, and then I've lost like I've lost like two or three hours. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck what? Like, yeah. what happened? <laughs> you really have to. I mean, as much as being online has helped my career, I also have to know when to step away from it and do the work. And that was the title of one of my alarms on my phone: "Do the work. <laughs> Just get up and do the work." So, speaking of work, yes, a lot of your work, yes, uh, centers around the sexual lives of Black women, mm-hmm. specifically how Black women experience desire, or as you sometimes describe it, the thirst. Yes. Why do you think that <laughs> thirst and desire? Why do you think that Black women experiencing desire or thirst is something that's important to write about? I'm just really interested in making sure that Black women that I can tell the story of the diversity of black womanhood Mm -hmm. that we're not all, you know, sassy housewives. Mm -hmm. We're not a magical best friend who has no life and, but is able to make you the best person you can be. And it's also sassy, right? Still sassy. sassy. Right. We're not the quote unquote welfare mother. You know, there's a lot of stereotypes about black women. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when we try to step away from that, you know, some kind of way we, people want to still sweep us, and back into these little boxes. Mm. So for me, um, sex is very important to me just because I like it a lot. And <laughs> that is Same. the best reasoning. That is the best reasoning I've ever heard. Very true. Very important to me because I like it a lot. That's yeah. great. And so I just, I know that I'm not the only black woman who likes sex a lot. No. And so um, I want to show people that and I want to talk about the way that we're portrayed in film and television and literature. And I want us to be okay with talking about the things. Like so often the stereotype of a strong black woman that we're taking over this and we have emasculated and we're domineering. But that's Mm -hmm. not always true. There's a lot of black women who are just like, I want to be able to relax. And the bedroom is supposed to be I mean, not just sexually, but just as a place of solace, right? You're supposed mm-hmm. to, like, that's the one, like, a lot of people don't have TVs and they're, like, you know, mm-hmm. computer-free zone in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Let's just de-stress. This is the one place we can just whatever. And that's how it should be when you, if you are a sexual person. When you go into whatever bedroom, the proverbial bedroom, mm-hmm. you should be able to be your full self. I want black women to be their full selves, whether it's in the bedroom, 
in the kitchen, wherever. Just relax and let go and be free. You should be yourself in your home. And for me, that means going into the bedroom and doing whatever the fuck you want to do without, like, anybody judging you on that. So it's just, it's just, I think it's important that we just talk about how nasty or how sweet <laughs> mm-hmm. or how pure mm-hmm. or how devilish we can be. Yeah. I don't want to, I want to, like, it's okay to be all these things and stop worrying about being a good girl or being a ride or die chick or whatever. Just be yourself. Yeah. Who's like, a, you, you also write a lot about like characters from television and film. Mm-hmm. Like who's somebody, well, I have two questions. Mm-hmm. One, who's somebody who you think like a character you th- where you think that de- that desire is done well for them, like well for them. Maxine Shaw of Living Single. Mm. Say more That's on that. Speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. I love me some Max. Boy, okay. Max is dark skinned woman, lawyer. Um, she walked around with her booty tooted out. She had natural hair. And she would be pulling out egg beaters from under the covers <laughs> of her bed. And she, you know, she was very much aware of who she was, what mm-hmm. she wanted in all aspects of her life. And she tried to deny some things with Kyle, you know, her relationship with Kyle and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But she was just very vocal about being a woman who, one, liked to eat, mm. two, enjoyed sex, and three, had no problem getting the man that she wanted. Mm. I love Maxine. On like talking about like the themes of like romance and stuff like that, you I mean you wrote a Kindle single about yeah. your like lifelong love of romance novels. Yeah. It's um it's romance novels ruined me. Yes, <laughs> to the point. You got to the point. You got to the yes. point. Yeah, and like I mean blatant like fantasy elements aside, like what's something you find in romance novels that you like you know wish there was like maybe more of in in real life? Oh, that's a good question. Um. I'm ready for this answer. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Head in hand. I'm ready. Talk about um, it. <laughs> I guess tenderness and sweetness, like in personal rela- in my personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, jokes, you know, have a good sense of humor is fine, and being able to be funny with your boo is great, and everything like that. But you, knowing when to be soft with each other is also really important to me. And I get, I oh, that sounds so bad, but I get that more in romance novels than I do in my personal lives and like mm-hmm. you know but that's what i'm doing in the in this um kindle single is trying to examine what i'm missing from my personal relationships and how i can what i need to do to kind of assess that and figure out you know moving away from toxic men and that kind of stuff and it's you know that's <laughs> <laughs> like the best way to move away from toxic men is to Actually, get in a starship, <laughs> leaving the <spot>. right, <laughs> just way. blast off into space. But I love, I love romance novels. When I first started reading them, as I explained in the single, um, it was because uh, after my great grandmother had passed, we got this big break front, this big china cabinet, and there were some books in there that were clearly from her employer. She was a domestic worker, and she did not know how to read; she could not read. So I knew that that wasn't, you know, Maria wasn't reading this stuff. So what is she doing with this book? So I started reading it and it was um, The Flame and the Flower by Kathleen Woodywis, which I think I'm saying her name right. Uh-huh. And um, that is W-O-O-D-I-W-I-S-S, Kathleen Woodywis. And it was about this British girl who runs away from 
a certain situation, ends up on the docks, and this American ship owner uh, thinks she's a prostitute, Hmm. rapes her. But, of course, it's not described as rape. You know, this came out in maybe the 70s or something like that. And um, and so he rapes her. She runs away from that. And the aunt that she's staying with realizes that she's pregnant like six weeks later or something like that. Finds the American guy, forces him to get married. Mm -hmm. And then they go back to America. And then they realize that they love each other and happily ever after. Okay. What a common. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your typical American tale. That's how we do Um, so, but that was the thing. You could not show a woman enjoying sex without showing her fighting it or showing mm. that it was not her idea, mm. right? So you had to have her being this good virgin girl and then the guy kind of being this beast, right, that forces his way. Mm. And, um, but then she realizes, oh, he's not really a beast. He's quite lovely. Mm-hmm. Maybe I love him. And he realizes, I've loved you from the first moment that I attacked you. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's not a funny thing. Like, yeah. it's really like... There's trauma stru- in there. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, that was something that I was seeing watching soap operas mm-hmm. with, you know, whatever. Because... Um, oh, what? Luke and Laura? Luke and Laura from General from Hospital. General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He raped her. And then the next thing you know, the big event is them getting married. And, you know, it was like on the cover of all the TV guides mm-hmm. and... TV magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, and then Dynasty and all that. You have men and women slapping each other before they fall to the floor and, you know, writhing in passion and shit like that. So this is something mm-hmm. that is just constantly a part of romance and supposed to be a part of dating culture. So I talk about how that kind of affected all these books affected my outlook on what men were supposed to be doing in relationships. Not, I did not want the fighting stuff um just because i have a history of that in my family did not want that at all i was very clear about that but what i liked about romance novels is overcoming those obstacles that prevent you from loving someone Mm -hmm. and finding the common ground and realizing that sometimes love can conquer all but that is not true all the time love is not enough and so i had to like recalibrate and learn from that um but yeah i still love romance novels i just read like three um i caught the bus back up here on greyhound which was a 24-hour bus ride (laughs) girl wait i had to really okay all right you're a trooper yeah um it's also i'm cheap and so i (laughs) and i I, yeah (laughs) um but I, you know, I went into it because I knew it was like, I'll just be reading and writing while I'm on the bus. So I was reading romance novels while I was on the bus. And the time flew because romance novels are good. They get a bad reputation just as anything. If a lot of women love it, then of uh, course it must be bad, uh, right? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, they're actually quite good. And it's, and, you know, if people love freaking Nicholas Sparks crap, yeah. you know, yeah. the notebook, that's a fucking romance novel. Just yeah. because a man is writing it doesn't mean it's not a romance novel. Yeah. You know, it gets called a drama or whatever. I don't know what they call his shit, but it's a fucking <laughs> romance novel. Yeah. And you've got, uh, you know, the conflict, the intrigue, the adventure, the mystery. As I read a lot of romances that are like thrillers. So, some, you know, the two people have to join forces to find you know, a serial killer or some shit. Yeah. That kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. really fucking good. Yeah. I you love can get them. lost in it. Yeah. 
I have not read, I don't think, a full romance novel, but I uh, I used to work at a bookstore when I was in college, and those were always my favorite ones to thumb through mm-hmm. because you had a lot of tender dialogue intercut with raw sex. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Raw, like, raw, and, like, raw, like, Englandshire sex mm-hmm. or, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, real historical type yeah. shit. Yeah. So that's what I started out reading was, were historical dramas. Um, I mean, sorry, <laughs> historical romances. But then I moved away from that and got into paranormal stuff, which mm-hmm. is with vampires and werewolves and, like, you know, fairies and what's shit. The appeal, what's the appeal with the paranormal romance? I like magical stuff. I like people with powers. And so it's kind of a way... I guess of having a comic book yeah. and a romance, you know, together. And because I know most of the, all, I pretty much only read women authors. Mm. Every now and then I'll read a man, but not for a romance. But I also know that these women will have realistic dialogue, <laughs> will mm-hmm. have um, care with the sex scenes. Mm. Men are terrible at sex writing sex scenes. That's I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, they're awful. If you ever look, there is a... Worst sex scene writing contest that happens every year. <laughs> I can't remember the exact like title. Yeah. yeah, and it's about you know people who are writing sex in books, and almost always it's men who are the winners of this terrible award. Um, it just I, I don't know what it is. I, you know I don't want to centralize or you know make even more generalizations about it, but <laughs> it's just they're really bad at sex. So um, paranormal romances, the sex is raw, as you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. It is, you know, it's also just kind of like a lot of times when some when they're having sex in these paranormal books. Something happens like outside and it's just a lovely little metaphor. And again, because I love sex so much, I like to imagine that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not I mean, you know, sometimes in movies, couples kiss and the fireworks go off yeah. and shit. Right. But in a paranormal romance, they're like fucking levitating, levitating <laughs> off the bed or a storm happens, yeah. you know. That and, really appealing. Yes. Wouldn't you like to be like fucking and then all of a sudden like this cleansing storm comes in and like <laughs> pulls everything in your life away? Yeah, I mean, except for the stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, except just... the stuff I wanted to keep. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Like just through certain rooms of the I was house. Say. And before, like, maybe before you done laundry. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, but, you know, but you have powers, and so you can, like, fix everything back up. Yeah. Right? Can I make some suggestions on who people can read? Oh, yeah. Please, yes. please do. Please okay. always. So there's this great um, woman named Alyssa Cole. That's A L Y S S. I mean, yeah, S-S-A, Cole, C-O-L-E. She does um, really good historical romances. Uh Holly Trent, H-O-L-L-E-Y, Trent. She does uh, paranormal stuff. So there's a lot of werewolves and shifters and great stuff like that. Uh Amazing. Rebecca Weatherspoon. She does a lot of erotica stuff. I just read this book by her called Haven. Mm -hmm. Listen. What happened? Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) So the... In this particular book, Haven, uh, the two characters are involved in some BDSM um, stuff, uh-huh. dominant, submissive kind of stuff. And there, I don't want to spoil, but there's a scene that includes a, a ball gag and drooling. It is, I believe, the first book that I've read that includes drooling. And makes it sexy. Not makes it sexy, but shows how it can be sexy or that some people really like the drooling thing. And uh-huh. that it, 
Yes, Haven, Rebecca Weatherspoon. Now, she also runs a site. I know, I'm like, you have my attention. I'm I'm receiving this information. (laughs) You have my attention. Uh, She runs a site called Women of Color in Romance, and that's W O C in romance.com. I strongly encourage people to go to that because it's a lot, you know, it's um, queer couple, queer relationships. You also have like books that feature. Um, polyamorous relationships you have and they're all by women of color wow. so uh, black Asian Pacific Islander native I mean she's just a she does a really good job of you know curating this information and, and getting it out there for for you so yes yeah and we'll we'll put those names in the in the show notes definitely put those so, names <laughs> in the show notes <laughs> definitely so gonna check it out but you had me a drool that's it <laughs> I mean you know I, you know, different strokes for different folks. No pun intended. But it's just like <laughs> you never know what she's going to put in her romances. And it's always something great. Well, the other thing I think is interesting about romance novels and erotica is that like they even if what is because even sometimes it don't have to be paranormal for someone to write a sex scene that makes mm. no fucking sense right. in real life. Right. But it does get you to imagine other possibilities Mm -hmm. in a way that I think is probably healthy for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You really don't know what you like or don't like until you kind of been presented at least with like the thought of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, it may be people listening like, I don't fuck with drool. You don't know. You don't know. You might be fucking with Drew. You might be fucking with (laughs) Drew. Right. Because I was not fucking with Drew. And then I read the scene and I was like, okay, I see. Mm -hmm. I can I can see. I can see it. Oh, that is that is deep. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the ones you got. You got to take a take a breath, you like let that breath. let that sit, you let that thought sit with you for a second. But I mean, kind of like on a slightly different note. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, we obviously been talking about kind of more like fantastical things and like paranormal stuff like mm-hmm. that. You also like comic books, um, and you wrote about, or at least have liked comic mm-hmm. books or superheroes or mm-hmm. heroines. Um, one of one of like honestly one of my favorite essays of yours was Wonder Woman Black Woman yes yes yeah and so in that you kind of talked about how like one of your favorite like superheroes is Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and how you feel kind of conflicted about that yeah yeah so I was I was conflicted about it for a long time because um you know I'm, again I'm all about uplifting black women mm-hmm. women of color so how could I latch on to this white woman you know or what what is portrayed as a white woman mm-hmm. um as my um I don't know what do you want to call it like, my avatar yeah. my whatever yeah. um and so I had to work through that and it was just myself no one else had you know come to me and said anything but for a really long time I tried to avoid Wonder Woman paraphernalia that had her face on it because I was like I am not walking around with a white woman on my chest <laughs> um you know but I had to get over that and realize that was just my own kind of fear um you know and that you know I think a lot of how do I want to say this? I, th- you know, it's just difficult when you don't have that many people that you can latch onto as a hero, as a as a you know emblem for who you are and what mm-hmm. you represent. Storm is great. Yeah. I love Storm, and I love all that she's able to do. But I can't go out and buy you know t-shirts with the same kind of ease that i can buy wonder woman stuff and that's you know it's still a problem now i mean even in the franchises all the different franchises storm is just not 
portrayed very well. Yeah. <laughs> she never has been. Yeah. No. Um, Except for the cartoon. Cartoon was kind of car- Yes. Good. Actually, um, the cartoon the, actually was kind of pretty yeah, good. Yeah, the 90s cartoon I was great. Um, but again, she wasn't like put on stuff by herself. It was almost always, you know, part of the group or something like that. And it's just really difficult to find Storm stuff. And so I, I mean, not to say that that's the only reason that I you know, gravitated towards Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was also kind of like a family thing for me. Like mm-hmm. my sister and I would watch Linda Carter on TV all the time. And I'd be spinning around in the living room <laughs> trying to turn into Wonder Woman from the reruns and stuff. So there's that. But um, it was just hard for me. It was hard for me to have uh, this connection to a white woman and be okay with that. And I eventually did because again, nobody else had come to me and said, you're wrong for this. You should be, you know, black powering it up. It was just my own issues with it. I'm really excited about the movie. I'm, I'm staying, I've stayed away from, you know, reviews and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I've I've been careful not to comment on a lot of this stuff. Although I have, you know, I do wish I, there were more people of color, like from the book series, from the comic books, Mm -hmm. you know, in the movie from what I can tell from the previews. Um, but I'm really excited about it. And I've been, I've seen people giving it good re- reviews. So last question is actually something that you came in talking about today. So before oh. we started recording, you came in this morning and you say you just had to talk about this new movie. You just saw everything, everything, uh, which centers around a teenage interracial romance and mm-hmm. it stars Amanda Stenberg, mm-hmm. such a cutie. Mm-hmm. And, you kind of went off on Twitter this morning um, about uh, about how so, some people about about actually a specific article that you had read um, that talked about the new way that interracial romances are being portrayed in TV and movies. Right. Tell us how you feel. What's on your Ooh. mind? Bring us up to speak speed. on it, sis. Speak on it. Okay. Because I have some thoughts. Yeah. Um. First of all, let me just say that everything, everything. I really enjoyed the movie. I recognize that it has some issues with ableism and portraying sickness and disability in a particular way that is offensive, and that other people are, you know, they're bringing those issues up. So I strongly encourage people to research that and talk about it. Um. But, you know, we all have our problematic faves, right? Yeah. So I, what I liked about Everything, Everything, not only was it a, it was a good romance story, as we've been talking about romances, because um, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, my God, this fictional teenage couple is living a fantasy I didn't even know that I had. You know, it was just, it was really sweet and cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also good because there, there are not very many films based on YA literature, young adult literature that feature people of color mm-hmm. in the lead. Yeah. Not just as a supporting character, but actual lead. Yeah. So this article was talking about interracial relationships and how they're being portrayed. And it's so great because they don't talk about race. It's just like, oh, here's an interracial couple. Look at how they live their lives without race. That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I, I've been in interracial couples before and I've also dated black men and I've dated black men who are from the Midwest, who are from the North. And we Mm -hmm. have culture clashes. Mm -hmm. If we have culture clashes within our own race and ethnicity, I know a black and white couple, an Asian and black couple or whatever and whatever couple are going to have some clashes that they need to discuss and are going to talk about. Mm -hmm. So that's ridiculous to say, oh, no one ever talks about race. Maybe, you know, on TV, we don't need, or in films, we don't need to see all of their discussions as they talk about race. 
but they have them. And it's good to acknowledge them because you can't go into these relationships thinking, I'm going to heal the world of racism. Yeah. That's that's a lie. It's bullshit. We should not portray that. That's not what's going to happen. You need to show, when you have interracial relationships on screen, you need to show that there are some things that have to be discussed, mm-hmm. whether it is, I'm going to put seasoning on this. Are you okay <laughs> with that? <laughs> or it could be, do you use a washcloth? Where is your wash rag? Yes. It could be something like, I had a really bad day at work today. Susie touched my hair. And then, you know, your partner, who's from a different race, ethnicity, culture, how he or she responds, that's significant. You know, mm-hmm. um, just... In my experiences with dating white men, sometimes I would come home and, you know, we're debriefing our day. And I would say something like that. You know, Becky at work did a really fucked up thing. And then he's like, oh, I'm sure it wasn't the case. I'm sure that wasn't the case. It was the case. I'm telling you this. I've lived in this body. I know what this shit is. I'm a Southern black woman. I know these kinds of different microaggressions. Those kinds of things. Those things can be talked about on screen without it blowing up into a whole you know, protest right out into the street. Mm -hmm. It's okay to acknowledge that. To act like, you know, interracial relationships means that we're now colorblind, you know, seeing them on TV, that we're now colorblind, we're approaching this, you know, utopia where there's no such thing as racism. That's a lie. It's such a lie and you should not feed into that at all. Um, Shonda Rhimes, I don't, I don't watch a lot of her shows on Mm -hmm. a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. But when I've seen her talk about you know, or have her characters talk about their interracial relationships. I think she does that fairly well because, you know, she'll be like, hey, here's the difference that we have. Here's a solution. We're still working through it. All right, let's go kill somebody with a bomb in their body. (laughs) You know, like, like yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she's able to, you know, acknowledge this stuff, this stuff. So she does the whole colorblind casting, right? She's just like, if this is a person great for that, for their role, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But then she rewrites the role accordingly, right? You know, she puts in characteristics that suit whatever the race, ethnicity of the person. That's how it should be done. So everything, everything has Amanda Stenberg, her um, playing a black biracial girl. Mm-hmm. Her mother is uh, played by Anika Noni Rose. Oh, yeah. I love her. And her father was a, a white guy. And that's not remarked upon. And that's fine because we didn't really need to talk about that. But mm-hmm. it would have been nice to see um, Amanda's character and the guy that she falls for, a white guy, um, her character's name was Maddie and his name was Ollie. If they had kind of talked about it, that would have been great. They did not talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it, it would have been nice for Ollie to be like, oh, my God, I love your hair. How do you take care of it? Or something, whatever would be working for a teenage relationship. Mm-hmm. That would be fine. This was her first relationship, you know, because she was sick. She lived inside her house all the time. She wasn't able to, mm-hmm. you know, leave, but she had access to the Internet. And so she met people through the Internet. So maybe she was more worldly. I don't know. Ali came from New York. Maybe he's used to being in a multicultural environment. Mm-hmm. I don't know because they didn't touch on it. Because, again, it's just like, you know, race isn't important. It's just about love. Love isn't enough to erase race. It is yeah. not. It is not. I mean, also just like it's frustrating to... It, like a lot of times you see in like interracial relationships, kind of going back to what you just said, like uh, 
it's often presented as if their core benefit is that you can then ignore race, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's frustrating because, like, I mean, the reality is, like, you know, you, you that is a part of your identity. And when you come together with somebody, there's a lot of exploring of who you are. Yeah. Right. Just right. at the core. Who are you? Let me get to know you. And so to, like... You know, I'm not saying that there aren't there aren't relationships where where those things aren't discussed, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like the reality is, in the vast majority of them, you are there's an exploration of the other person right. yes. that encompasses what combination of things makes up your culture. Right. I don't know if the, a white person wrote this particular article, but, uh -huh. um, you know, white people like to imagine interracial relationships on in film and TV as this kind of, you know raceless utopia or mm -hmm. whatever but really it's just giving them what they want and 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 that is not talking about race because they're so uncomfortable because if you start talking about race and you start talking about biases and prejudices mm -hmm. and discrimination and stuff like that then it brings up white people's complicity in this kind of stuff yep. and that makes them uncomfortable so they don't want to talk about it and they just want to praise it as oh this is great we don't have to talk about it no we need to talk about it yeah. we need to like get all this stuff out on the table because it's important because when we have our mixed race children and they go to school and they get called nigger coconut whatever and the fact that they're going to get called we need to be able to address that yep. as a unit and we can't ignore it in film and television, also from white people's point of view, like interracial friendship, I feel like they do see as some sort of cultural transaction, mm -hmm. but have, they have a serious issue with anything like that happening in a romantic relationship. So like in your friendships, you do probably talk about different customs right. and foods that you eat and, you know, the way that you were raised or the way that your parents are. But somehow in an interracial relationship, like that just is not supposed to like the ideal is that that never comes up. Yeah. And I feel like it's because, like, that relationship is, like, you know, romantic relationships are among the most intimate that you can possibly have mm -hmm. with another person. And, like, something about that level and that depth of intimacy, um, having talk of race or identity, it freaks white people the fuck it out. It really does. And a lot of times, too, in Hollywood, these interracial romantic couples are there because if you have... Two, uh, you know, two black people together, two Asian people together, two Hispanic people together. Then it becomes, you know, that ethnic movie. Mm -hmm. Right. So they have to have this interracial couple to make sure, you know, and it's always at least one white person in the interracial couple. Mm -hmm. So to make sure that the white people come to the movie and see that it's not just about That's blacks or Latinos or whomever, you know. Mm -hmm. So you can't we I don't think we need to give Hollywood that much credit for these interracial portrayals. I mean, it's great because that's the you know, reflection of our world. There are a lot of interracial couples out there and intercultural couples out there, but they're just doing it because, you know, they I don't... Like the person. Right, and they want to make sure, well, we like this story, but we need to have at least one white person here so that we can oh, get yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah. access yeah. point. You're yeah. trying to give people an access point. I mean, it's like, even if you look at, uh, if you think about all those old UPN shows or whatever, mm -hmm. a lot of them did have that one white character. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why Genevieve Oya was on the Parkers. <laughs> I don't know why she was on the Parkers, <laughs> but she was on the Parkers. Yeah, even if you go back, like Norman Lear, even on the Jeffersons, like, you know, like, yeah. if you go mm -hmm. all the way back, yep. like, they, Roxy you know, Roker, yeah. And the guy who played her husband, the white guy. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, it was it was an access point, and you in, and that person typically comes in with commentary that, like, honestly, is often like kind of troubling or problematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what know? is this food? Oh, Why does everyone yeah. talk like this? Who is that? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's frustrating because like that that is the thing that reminds you, you know, that 
that is the thing that is reminding those people that they are quote unquote an other. Uh-huh. And especially yeah. if you think about like within intimate relationships, like you have them now kind of or or I- ignoring that. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they do it, you know, they're otherizing the person who they're supposed to be in a romantic relationship no, with. Right. You know, we all been on swirl. Instagram before so we know that that shit is real very real that shit is very very real it's um yeah I I like I would be something something you use the word intercultural which is a word that I Mm -hmm. use Mm -hmm. and actually probably Eric is probably a word that you could actually use in your own relationship as well considering that like your wife is Caribbean well actually now I think about it both of us have Caribbean partners so my boyfriend's from Puerto Rico and people are always coming to me like oh Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, seeing as you're in an interracial relationship, and I'm like, first of all, mm-hmm. you don't know me like that. Second of all, I am not in an interracial <laughs> relationship. You're totally like, in, sometimes it's like a fetishization of mm-hmm. my partner's mm-hmm. heritage. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you have a Latino man. He don't even call. He does not call himself a Latino. He says that he is a Spanish-speaking man. No, he says he's a Spanish-speaking Caribbean man of African descent. Okay. And so, like, people are like, oh, you're, a, you know, Latino. I'm like, eh, no, 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 mm-hmm. no. This is not how my man identifies. That's mm-hmm. not how he feels. And both of us consider ourselves black. And, then, you know, one day in the future, we have kids. Kids are also going to be black. They'll be Puerto Rican, too. Mm-hmm. But that's more of an intercultural thing. There's so many, like, there's so many things that we have in common that mm-hmm. we, like, both consider to be our black experience. Right. That, like, I would never... I would never say that I was in an interracial couple, but we've had com- we have conversations about certain things. There's a lot of teaching that you do have yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. I told you, I had a boy- my ex boyfriend was from a combination of Buffalo and North Carolina, mm-hmm. and there are some things for yeah, it, it, it is a mix. And there were some things that like I like some Buffalo things that I understood because that's Rust Belt, Detroit Rust Belt. But some of the North Carolina stuff, I was just like, who, what? Mm-hmm. You must go to church all of the time. That's mm-hmm. really what it's about. It's just like whenever you can get, like you said, you can get two black folks together. Yeah. And if you're from Chicago and he's from Nashville. Right. You're going to be learning a lot. Exactly. Exactly. So to ignore that on screen is a shame and it, you know, builds up these um, false expectations, I think, Mm -hmm. of what people think interracial relationships should be. Yeah. They're like, they're not actually, they're not like, you know, we never talk about race. And they're not like as goofy as fucking Guess Who with Ashton Kutcher and the (laughs) late great Bernie Mac. They're not quite that, like, it's like some, like, you know, I would imagine that the vast majority of them are somewhere in. Right. You know, it's not going to come up every single day. And again, you're not going to, you know, always have a huge argument about it. You can make, you know, really good, funny connections through your differences. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we recognize those differences. And that's what makes being together so great, you know, that you overcome the differences that you have if they're, they're a potential obstacle to find love with each other. And we need to glorify that. We need to look at moving past things that we have been told, you know, are not what's going to keep a relationship together and we're together. So let's celebrate all of that. And, you know, let's make some good food together or something. That's know. the real shit. With, with a little more seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> Put some Lowry's on it. Tony Chatter's. Um, but yeah, I, that was that was great. That was a word. I'm, I, again, I want to sometimes we need more like just sit and rest and marinate breaks. Mm-hmm. In the podcast, like mm-hmm. a podcast, it needs to be more of a thing. Just mm-hmm. sit and think about what we just talked about for a second. That's what I'm saying. Um, 
But thank you so much. This has been oh, so much fun. You. This has been awesome. Uh, I, hope, I hope that this means that For Colored Nerds goes out on a good note, that I have not ruined yes. anything. <laughs> I was just about to say, we're going out with the bang. Yes. And you talked a lot about banging. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know why I made that noise. <laughs> It's all encourage, we encourage that in the thank room, you, thank you. But thank you so much for coming in. Uh, tell people how they can find you. Yeah. Okay, so all my social media stuff: Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, 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 Snapchat is Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That is T N Whiskey with an E Woman. Um, and I have a website, NicolePerkins.com, yes. and that is N I C H O L E P E R K I N S. Well, you've gotten one. You've gotten uh, you, one. You need to check out Nicole everywhere. Yes. But two, she also is given like such a wonderful list of things to go back and like check. Yes. I always appreciate that when folks like name check a lot. Of stuff. Yes, mm, it's nice. You. Put us on. Put, put us, us on. on. Put Help us, us on. learn. Learn us. Well, thank you so much for coming, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I oh my had gosh, such a good time. We had a good time. Yeah. And we're glad that we could close out the show with such an awesome guest. Yes. Thank you. And um, this show is not long for this world. Yes. But um, you will be hearing some new, super new stuff from us very, very soon. Also, I will say um, our online store is still open. Yeah. <laughs> Close out sale. Close out sale. <laughs> seriously, yeah, all this for colored nerd stuff is about to be it's vintage. Go. It's, it's got to go. <laughs> must go. Everything must go. It's going to be vintage really soon. It might be popping. A little throwback Thursday, yeah. maybe. Also, I don't have a t-shirt i don't know if y'all know this about me i don't have it for color nerds t-shirt i only have the tote bag and the mug so i'm about to get a couple t-shirts actually my boyfriend has a t-shirt i don't have a t-shirt that's kind of fucked up i mean you gotta pay for it you gotta come about that coin okay we'll see how (laughs) we'll see how i feel about that but um yeah i guess if you want to uh holler at us send us you know some emails if you want to but holler at us we want to talk to y'all we want to hear from y'all we want to know what's up we want to tell you what's up and lastly if you're looking for more information on like what we'll be doing next so if you want to stay in tune for like more updates on the nod which is coming very very soon July you can go to forcolornerds.com where you can sign up for our newsletter yes where we'll be giving you inside scoop on where to get that content when it arrives. Yes, and also to stay subscribed to For yeah. Colored Nerds because, um, like we said, you are going to get the first taste of the nod. Very soon. Very soon. It's imminent. Imminent. So holler at us. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.